tweet at SFM Radio and at John Gerica. All right, let's talk to John Black. It says here, gifted athlete and mountaineer. And they decided to climb K2, the second highest peak in the world. Let's find out why they wanted to do that first. And uh, spoiler alert, they made it to the top. But John Black joins us. John, good chatting to you and congratulations to you and your team. Hi, it's evening. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Give us the background. First South Africans to reach the top. How did it all begin? Well, how much time have you got? No, um, <laughs> you know, my, my story with K2 started when I was about 17 years old. I bought my first book on K2 and, you know, uh, myself and Warren Eva, who climbed K2 with me, we and a couple of our friends have been climbing mountains as sort of regularly as we can for about 20 years. We're all kind of in our early 40s. So K2 has been a 25-year goal of mine or a dream of mine that uh, fortunately we were able to, to recently finish or conclude. Why K2? Well, K2, as you alluded to earlier, is sort of arguably known or has a reputation of being the hardest, most dangerous mountain to climb. And something about that book I read in, in the late 90s really grabbed me about the mountain, the, the intrigue, the remoteness, the, the history of it dating back to the 1800s. The fact it was a technical mountain. I climbed Everest in uh, 2009, which was fantastic, but Everest wasn't a technical mountain. And, you know, we all quite enjoy more technical climbing, more technical ice climbing and, and that kind of thing. And, and K2 had it all. It was high, being the second highest mountain. It included technical rock climbing, technical ice climbing. It was remote. It was far away. And then above all of that, it hadn't been climbed by a South African. And we thought to ourselves, you know, that, that really has to change. It's about time a South African stood on top of one of the most famous mountains in the world. And uh, we were very fortunate and very privileged to have had the opportunity to do that. Let's talk about the technical aspect. Climbing Mount Everest... It, I don't want to make it seem easy. It's not easy in any way, but it seems like it's a really steep hike. How is that different to what K2 is? You're right. Everest is, is not technical. It's hard. Make no mistake about mm. it. You're still sleeping in a tent for two months. You're still going up to 8,800-odd meters and all those kinds of things. But it's not technical. K2 is so steep that... And, you know, I've read about it, I've studied about it, I've looked at the pictures, and nothing prepared me for how sustained and steep K2 is. You know, to give you an idea, while we were there, two, two men very sadly both fell to their deaths, one from Camp 1 and one from Camp 2. The, the latter fell from Camp 2 all the way to advanced base camp, about 2,000 vertical meters below him. Wow. That's how steep the mountain is. Once you start, it's steep until the very top. The camps are, are precariously cut into the snow. Uh, while we were there, someone literally fell out of Camp 1. It was so steep that if you step out your tent and you slip, you literally fall out of camp. And we also saw someone drop a boot from Camp 2 that came past us at Camp 1. So it is <laughs> always steep, either steep rock climbing or steep ice climbing or steep snow. Yeah, there's a picture that you've posted on your Instagram about the climb, and it's 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 like it's it's what I imagine mountain climbing to be. There are ropes that are having to put in there that you're pulling yourself up. As a you call your, there's, there's a rope fixing team that help you. Correct. Yes, correct. 
Okay, no, this not- camp three, it literally looks as if it's on the, the, the point of a mountain. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, we've been to a number of mountains <laughs> around the world. We've stayed in some particularly spectacular camps. But uh, the, the first couple of camps on K2 take it to, to a new level. And that's, I guess, what attracted us to it, is that it's a real mm. mountaineer's mountain that throws it all at you. You've got the altitude, you've got the cold, you've got ferocious weather, technical rock climbing, technical ice climbing. Um, you know, it kind of had it all. But we went knowing that there was a good chance we wouldn't make it to the top. Uh, that's, you know, that's the harsh reality of K2. Mm. There's a picture of you at the top. It looks like beautiful weather for you, though. We had amazing weather on our, our summit day. We don't know exactly, but our sort of, our estimate of the temperatures were about in the minus mid-20s and with winter <laughs> maybe in the mid-30s, which by <laughs> by mountaineering standards is, is relatively good considering you're well-equipped. But we had low wind very good visibility, and we summited almost immediately after sunrise. So we had the most spectacular views of Pakistan and China and India, because you're on the border just about the the confluence of the three countries. And the only point higher than us was Mount Everest, which was thousands of of miles away. Um, And we were looking down on big mountains that early in the expedition had been soaring above us, and now we were Mm -hmm. looking down on them. So it really was, Mm. you know, spectacular. There were four of you that were supposed to go up. You, uh, Robbie, is it Cogitin and Warren yep. Ava who went up with you, and Alan Dickinson. What happened? So, Robbie got a uh, high altitude pulmonary edema fairly on in the expedition. He actually got helicoptered off from base camp. Sure. Um, he, he got quite ill and left. Um, Alan did the first rotation with us up to Camp One. And, and at that point, Alan made a call, which was a very uh, brave decision that he recognized that the mountain was above his appetite for, for risk and exposure. And he decided to not climb any higher, but he stayed in, in camp with us for another month in base camp. And, you know, he was a great, a great asset in camp. Uh, when we eventually went to the summit, we were radioing down the mountain to him live updates and live news, and he was able to post that to social media and to friends and family. So uh, it was unfortunate we weren't able to climb as a team, but, you know, that's mountaineering for you. And uh, fortunately, everyone made it back home safe. Robbie's making a recovery. Alan Alan was healthy and is healthy. And we all came back friends, you know, um, which is Excellent. the primary goal. I mean... Once you've climbed K2 and you've done Everest, as you said, what else is there to do in life? <laughs> you know what? Uh, mountaineering is a funny thing. There's, there's <laughs> so many mountains in so many locations. There's so many different types of mountaineering, from ice climbing to big wall climbing to rock climbing to trekking. You know, and really, at the end of the day, whilst you know, myself and my, my mate who you mentioned love mountaineering, we love adventure. And I suspect that our next couple of mountains will be lower, different mountains. You know, we'd love to do more, more mountains in more remote areas and explore and try different things. Uh, there's, there's a world of outdoors out there and adventure. We were talking to a mountain climber a couple of weeks ago, maybe on the show, saying that that one in Antarctica still needs to Mount be Vincent. done. Is, is, have you done that one? Um, I have been to Mount Vincent, so I've been fortunate enough to climb the uh, seven summits, which is the highest mountain on right. each continent. 
which uh, includes Mount Vincent in Antarctica. Um, and yeah, Antarctica is a, an amazing place, and I would love to to go back there, but it's also extortionately expensive. Yeah, that was because that was what this person is what this guy was saying. Is it's in the hundreds of thousands to be able to get there. Absolutely, as is as are other mountains, but Antarctica is particularly mm. expensive. Talk us through, let's go back a little bit, planning to climb K2. Obviously, you know it's dangerous. You know people die on there. How do you, how do you make sure that you're doing the, the safest, best thing you can do for yourself? You know, it's, it's, it's a very good question. And, you know, in mountaineering, we refer to objective danger and subjective danger. And the, the objective danger, there's not much you can do about it. It is what it is. The subjective danger are the things that you can control or influence to a large degree. And, you know, I've, I've read and studied and followed K2, as I said, for, you know, two decades odd. Mm. And um, prior to the expedition, the sort of the year beforehand, I read as many K2 books as I could. And my friends mocked me because I love Excel spreadsheets. But I actually put together a spreadsheet of the people who had passed away on K2, wow. which is close on 100 people leading up to this trip. And I tried to, to dissect why, why they passed away and what went wrong. And it's not about judging their actions. It's about learning from their actions. And I put a little bit of a matrix around what we could do to try and make things safer in terms of equipment, preparation, leaving on time for the summit, turning around at a specific time, and trying to avoid climbing into a second night, making sure we had uh, marked the, the location of camps on our GPSs and our watches, making sure that we had uh, spare headlamps in case we were caught in the dark, you know, all these things that seemingly are very simple, but these are things that killed people in the past. And so we constantly reminded ourselves of those things. We tried to get the best information we could on weather. And we also had a, a, a realistic understanding that we might not summit. And we weren't going to push ourselves to the, to the top at all costs. Um, and, you know, in the end, we had reasonable health. We had reasonable weather, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So we did what we could, but you also recognize that things like rockfall or avalanche or uh, mm -hmm. an icefall is beyond your control. And all you can do there is to try and make sure you're as fit and as strong and as capable as possible so that you can move as quickly as possible so that you expose yourself to those dangers for as little time as possible. And I guess that essentially is what we did. Planning, planning, planning as much as you possibly can. It's all about the details, correct. The one thing, I'm looking at your pictures here on the Instagram, and maybe you have others, but I don't see anything with oxygen masks on. Do you, do you have to climb with oxygen masks? We did climb with oxygen masks. We, we climbed above Camp 3 on oxygen. Uh, we used a moderate amount of oxygen by, by modern standards, but we certainly did climb uh, above Camp 3 mm -hmm. in, with, using oxygen. Just quickly, we need to wrap it up, John Black, but uh, first South Africans to do it. It's fantastic. But when you, when you look back at the others that climbed it, as you mentioned, without all the, the, the clothing, first of all, is spectacular. You mentioned GPS and watches and things. What sort of respect do you have for those that climbed it first? Massive. I mean, it's, it's unimaginable that K2 was climbed in the 50s by people who didn't have satellite technology, they didn't have proper down clothing, that they didn't have what we do now. Um, you know, they, they climbed into, literally into the unknown. And at that stage, mm. literally everyone who had climbed before them had died. Um, <laughs> yes. And these guys pioneered routes up K2 and other mountains that were 
unimaginable by modern standards in terms of their equipment, their planning, their preparation. Um, I've got utmost respect for, for utmost respect for them. And you know, there's, there's people to this day climbing new routes on new mountains around the world that really are in a different league. You know, um, beyond my pay grade for sure. <laughs> okay, so what's next, John? You know what? I'll have to get back to you. Um, right now, time with family and friends, relaxation, yeah. while we um, think up the next adventure. But, you know, as, as has always been the, the case, the priority to go to exciting places with friends, have a good mm. time, have an adventurous time, and come back safe. And that's always been our mantra. You know, all four of us met in the Scout Movement as kids oh, wow. at 14, 15 years old. And, you know, we've probably been on 20, 30 expeditions together. And those lifelong friendships that, that matter, that count, you know. Um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll find another adventure to keep us occupied. Well, congratulations to you and Warren Eva as well for completing that climb. John Black, uh, mountaineer who was one of two South Africans to have summited K2, the second highest peak in the world. First all-South African team to do so. Well done to them.